and welcome to edition 104 of the On The Ball podcast. <laughs> the Norwich City podcast that once followed Darren Huckabee home. Hopefully he'll never find out. Uh, I'm Michael Bailey. I cover the Canaries for The Athletic and I hope this finds you safe and well. Uh, on the way, taking hammers to new extremes. Who's the new Danish lad? And the ideal championship prep. We'll work through all that and more with our guests this fine evening. They are Norwich number one chief at uh, AKA at NCFC numbers, also known as our very own Steve Sanders. Evening, Michael. You muted yourself just in time there. Uh, and I'm delighted to say joining us tonight as well is former Norwich winger, academy coach, bona fide club legend and friend of the pod. It's Darren Huckabee. Good evening, everybody. Hope everyone's okay. There he is. Um, thanks for joining us, everyone out there watching live on various media platforms, social media platforms, uh, everyone listening to the podcast and indeed to the gentleman with me this evening. How are you all doing? Steve, how are you? You're, you're still eating your dinner, so thanks no, for... I have finished. I've wolfed it down and I'm done. Uh, the listeners will not care about this, but normally I can rely on Michael starting this late. <laughs> I will always be eating my dinner beyond eight o'clock. But today we've, um, in a in a rare bit of punctuality, managed to start on time. Um, so I wasn't <laughs> I was not prepared for this, but like a professional, have finished my pasta and uh, I'm obviously raring to go. I, I did make the joke to you in WhatsApp that uh, had you still been eating, it wouldn't be the least professional thing I'd have seen over the weekend. But there we go. Um, <laughs> not not uh, the least professional thing we've done in this podcast uh, this true. season either. So yeah, also yeah. true. Um, I don't. Maybe it says something about me, my preparation levels, or attention to detail. But I knew Hux was on, so I thought I'd better be prompt and punctual because I don't think he likes a lack of punctuality, do you, Hux? No. <laughs> got to be on early. Got to be ready to go at every single occasion. <laughs> Which I'm, I'm sure is what you demanded of all your of all your ex teammates. How are you, Darren? Very well, yeah, very well. It's uh, been a difficult few days, I guess, for anyone associated with Norwich City. So I'm sure we'll get onto it. Um, thanks for limiting it to just a few days. That's good. Um, uh, now, I will say we are going to um, this evening as we record the podcast, we are broadcasting live. We are going to open up the middle section to your questions. So if you are watching us live, as we have promised and teased over a number of weeks, um, and as we have uh, Hux with us, um, if you want to get your questions in, uh, we will all endeavor to answer them. Uh, you can direct them solely at Darren, or it can be for all of us. Or if there's anything you've really wanted Steve to answer, but appreciate that you might not be able to answer it immediately um, in terms of a stats nature, um, get them to us this evening. We'll probably be doing that in about 15 minutes time. So um, stack them in. If you think of it, post it, and we will then go through them all, won't we, Steve, and keep track of everything everyone's asking. Together. As many as we can before nine o'clock. That is the way to do it. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, in that case, I reckon we should crack on immediately with this week's headline act. Uh, now, for a season where we were hoping for something different to two years ago, uh, the football gods clearly felt like playing a trick on us all. <laughs> we were uh, Norwich were thrashed 4-0 by West Ham at home um, in the uh, fourth from last. Is that right? Fourth from last uh, game of the season, just like two years ago. The only difference is this time they'd already been relegated, whereas last time it actually relegated Norwich officially. Um, it was an awful afternoon, but at least Mikhail Antonio didn't score all four goals. Now, at this point, we should probably say we did 
kind of debrief a lot of what happened in terms of relegation and the season as a whole in last week's podcast. So make sure you give that a listen. Um, uh, Steve, was this at the weekend things going from bad to worse or just really bad or what was it? Yeah, I, I think it probably was going from bad to worse. I was, I was trying to think like, is that the worst it's felt this season? I think it probably was. It's probably the worst um, feeling at a, a game at Carrow Road, maybe even since the 7-1 against Colchester. Um, I think there was just a sense that from the fans that they'd had enough, you know, it was like, yeah, we've, we've seen enough of this now. And um, just, you know, it, it, it's not much fun getting um, hammered with, excuse the pun, first word I could think of, um, <laughs> every every week. And um, and it just felt like we weren't even competing, you know, against a team, against a team who had been knocked out of Europe three days earlier, have had a long, grueling season, and it, it just looked so easy for them. Now, don't get me wrong, they've obviously got m- much better players than we have, and West Ham are a very good side and uh, can't be underestimated. But, um, uh, you know, looking back at the goals, there was no pressure on the ball. Uh, it just it just felt like they strolled through us, and we may have played worse over 90 minutes this season than we did yesterday, but um, I think in terms of the feeling in the ground... Um, it probably was the lowest it's been, and it's interesting actually that um, that you say that in your because I'm pretty sure I remember you saying a couple of years ago that when we went on what it was it the 11 game losing run at the end of the season, you know how what would this be like if there were full if the if the ground was full, obviously half full by the end as it was, um, but I think we're getting a an idea, you know, because this is history repeating itself, you know, in terms of the bad run of results and the fact that we lost four 0 at home to West Ham, and I think we're getting an idea now of exactly what it'd be like, and it's it's not pretty. It's not pretty, not very clever, has to be said. Uh, the thing that struck me, and I hadn't realised this really properly at the time, uh, it's the first time I've been at Carrow Road for a a dead rubber. Obviously, it wasn't a dead. It's worth pointing out that West Ham are still fighting to finish in the top six, so they've they've actually got a bit to play for still, and and to qualify for Europe next year. But um, the first time I'd experienced a, a post relegation game at home where relegation was already confirmed at Carrow Road with supporters, which I hadn't really hadn't really twigged that. Um, so it was a unique experience, uh, one I hope I would never get to experience again. But of course, we will do on the final game of the season. Um, Hux, have you have you had to play in a game like that where? relegation is already sorted i mean it's very different to either having already won the title or promotion or no, having I've nothing to play for no i've done it a couple of times where it's gone down to the last game at commentary and obviously the norwich when we lost to fulham but uh it was really really strange game stats you know saturday or sunday you know we're you said a dead rubber but you know in professional sport there can't be any dead rubbers you know every player that's playing is playing for something you're playing for your future you're playing for your mum and dad are in the stand. You're playing for the fans. It's, it should never, never be a dead, a dead game. And for 45 minutes, well, first 45 minutes, and then the last 25 minutes, I thought it's probably as bad as I've, I've seen us for a long, long time. You know, near the end of the game, it was basically them just passing the ball around, and us just watching them pass the ball around. No tackles, no intensity, no fight. It, it, it looked like the gave up basically. And if that's not a Dean Smith side or from what I've seen of his other teams, the way that we finished that game, it was, you know, it was pretty, it was embarrassing, if I'm going to be honest. It was a bit, as a fan, that's why half the fans had left, because it was embarrassing. Don't get me wrong, West Ham are a good team, but Declan Rice looked like a good player to his 65 years old in midfield, and at centre-half. It looked like one of the best centre midfielders in the league, and they looked like Virgil van Dijk when he went at the back. So it just shows you that, 
you know, it just shows you how far we're off it. We're, we're miles off it. You know, the fans aren't stupid. You know, the players probably know it themselves. We're miles off what we need to be. I mean, I do, I do love Declan Rice as a player, I have to say. Um, but yeah, point taken, definitely. And I mean, I suppose this is the thing, Huck, it, it's a team, but if, and it, it show it, it's made up by the sum of its parts. So ultimately, you could be a, a, someone in that team who is really fired up and does want to show prof- professional pride. But if, if other if others don't, then obviously there's only so much you can do about that. But I mean, is it professional pride? Is it a lack of that, or is it just literally hoping it all ends and feeling sorry for yourself? What do you imagine it is that meant that the players just couldn't muster well much, really? I don't know. There's players in that in that team, you know, who, who do give it all. You can see, you know, the handlers and people like that. They, they do. That's how, they, how they're built. But you know, if the, the manager's taking off plays half time because you don't think they're working hard enough. You know, that can't be right. You know, that, that can't be right. We, you know, the players first and foremost must look at themselves and be slightly embarrassed where we are. We're going to go down again as one of the worst Premier League teams of all time. And you probably know the numbers, but statistically, we must be in the top five worst teams of all time. Something like that, or close to it, I'm guessing. Steve, so, uh, yeah, are they numbers you have to hand, Steve? <laughs> I don't have. I mean, in terms of points, I think we're probably not quite. I mean, you know, Derby are the classic one with eleven that they got, but um, I think looking at goal difference and the numbers that we've conceded, we're, we're certainly on. I think that there's a definite possibility that we may be the second worst in history, and it certainly felt like that, hasn't it? I, you know, uh, compare it to two years ago. It, there were some games where it felt a little bit like you know we were in it, we were unlucky, we played teams at a bad time. This year, I mean, I, I think quite honestly that they've been lucky to get 21. You know, I think they've come up against teams who have then gone on to sack their manager. Um, they've, they've played teams and been beaten by teams who've been on horrendous runs. You think of Brentford, Leeds, Brighton, we got a point against, but they were on a t- horrendous run. Villa had lost five in a row before we came up against them. You know, I, I don't think this year there are any excuses for, you know, for, for what we've got and in, in all honesty I think it could have been worse than 21 the, points I'm not quite the sure it's reflective the, the teams that we actually beat were absolutely shocking on the day when, yeah. we, when we played them yeah. and I can't I can't remember us beating a team that was decent you know mm. when Burnley came here they were all over the place you know what other games we were, Everton were absolutely abysmal when they came to us you, know, you, you take two or three of them wins out which we ain't got many of and you know, it's just been, it's been a disaster. It's, it's, you can't you can't sugarcoat it. It's, the season's been a disaster, and from from start to finish. And there's not many players, if any, maybe Hanley, maybe Cruel a little bit, Pookie a little bit, have come out of it with any credit at all. Which is, you know, usually when you've had a, a bit of a bad season, some players do come out of it with some credit. But this is this has been tough. Well, there's 4,000 words on The Athletic about how bad the season has. If anyone wants to read it, you can go and do that. Um, the defending, uh, I mean, <laughs> I, I guess it's all summed up by the second goal, really, which I know that, the, and I've mentioned this in my video verdict, the, the Barclays' reaction to that on St. Pitt was, you know, that's why we're going down. I mean, I don't necessarily think it is because I think Norwich have, have tried to be more, more competent and coherent at times and still defended badly, just sort of slightly generally rather than the, the comedy of um, certainly West Ham's second goal. Um, it's, <laughs> Steve, I mean, is is that just a sort of a, a symptom of 
how bad things have got in a way. And also people see that Dean Smith says it's comic defending and the most people will respond to that saying, yeah, if only someone could do something about it, Dean. But I mean, it's, <laughs> what, I mean, he's not going to do training sessions saying, can you not, you know? Yeah. I mean, and I, I think it, that's probably not why we're going down in, insofar as it was two, two of the players, the two players involved were two who have certainly been less culpable. Two of the ones that, that Hook's name just now mm, in Krull and Hanley. Um, I think it, I don't know. I sort of feel like that was one of those things. I'd almost be more concerned about goals one and three where, I mean, I suppose the build up to two wasn't great either, where there's just no pressure on the ball at all. And, you know, goal number one, the first, the first goal, Ben Rahm was just allowed to, to cut inside and get, get a shot off. Um, wasn't Max's best game, and we know he's a better defender than that. So, I, yeah, I, I guess, I suppose the, the thing is, you you don't see the likes of Brentford conceding that goal, and um, well, certainly not at the moment anyway, and I suppose that's where the frustration comes, is that we keep finding these new ways and ridiculous ways to concede these goals somehow. So, yeah, I, I guess it. I guess the comic nature of it just sort of summed the performance up more than anything, really. That, that's, a, that's a problem, but also we don't like scoring at all in virtually any game. So you know, it must be hard for defence because basically they've got to go. They've got to be perfect for ninety minutes in the Premier League week in week out because we don't look like we're going to take the lead. We don't look like we're going to put other teams under pressure, and we don't put the other teams on the back foot at all. So. You kind of you you want to hide into nothing if you're in the defence. You're basically saying we can't make any mistakes because if they score, we're done because we don't like we're going to get back into any single game we play. It's really difficult. You know, the pressure's always on the back four because we we've got no outlets. We've got no we don't relieve the pressure at all. We're basically just camped in and hoping for the best. It's really difficult. It's really difficult. I think. Just, just to just to follow up on that point, and Dan made this point last week. Actually, I, I think you look at the defence, and it's not the best, but it does have a goalkeeper, a centre back, a right back who we know have been excellent at Championship level, albeit probably playing without a lot of confidence. We do have a striker who we know, with the right services, is capable of scoring a lot of goals. I think it's maybe oversimplifying it, but I think the problems at both end of the pitch come down to the fact that the midfield is just completely substandard it's it's just we get overrun far too easily and we don't create anything at the other end and yeah everyone's culpable in this team and I I, it would be unfair to blame five players in the middle of the pitch for it entirely but I do think a lot of it comes down to the fact that the midfield is just way 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 off the level it needs to be ah okay well um because the next I was just going to rattle through some potential positives you know, just for a little bit. Jakob Sørensen was a potential one. I mean, maybe that's just because we'd seen him, I suppose. And, you know, uh, I don't know. I, I, what do you, I'd like to know what you you guys feel. Um, I'll start with you, Steve, because I, I didn't see really... I thought Jakob was good. Well, <laughs> all relatively speaking, uh, was was better in the second half. Um, and yeah, I didn't really see any reason why he's had such few opportunities since his injury yeah I would go along with that I didn't think he was awful but I think he was he was good on the ball like and I think he could be maybe a handy player when we're not getting attacked so much next season I don't know whether he offered the protection to the back four that we would need against the uh, decent Premier League team but I certainly don't it's difficult to say isn't it but I think on that performance you could see him because his distribution and the way he moved the ball forward wasn't bad and that's going to be an asset next season. So I would, you know, I've been calling for him to get a chance. I'm glad he got that chance. Um, 
I don't think he did that disastrously that he'll never get picked again. Hux is laughing. So. Uh, I'm, laughing. I'm laughing because I, I think, it's, you know, wherever he's coming, he's done okay. So we're 3-0 down. And basically, West Ham took the foot off the gas. I know we damaged limitation, as Dean Smith said. But basically, the game was over. The game was over. We got nowhere near their midfield. Like I said, Declan Rice could still be playing now and still would know when he'd be near him. We've got, we've, got, we've, got, we've, got, we've got to be realistic here. West Ham did what they wanted for nearly 90 minutes. They took the foot off the gas. It should have been five minutes half time. It should have been. They had a couple more good chances that they didn't take. You can't say someone did pretty well when we're 3 down at half time. Come on, let's be... Let's be. Okay, well, that, that's fine. <laughs> on the continuation of the theme, Tony Springett came on. Right, I've got another thing to say about this as well. Okay. It's great to, for me. Tony Springett, well done. Another Premier League, Premier League debut for the academy. All looks good. My biggest concern is that you've got a player that costs £10 million in Jovis, who, someone who's never played a kickball in the Premier League is coming on before. And that's very, very worrying because I don't know what it's like in training, Jovis, but if you're bringing a kid on who hasn't kicked a first-team ball for a Premier League debut and you're not putting someone on who costs £10 million, that sends alarm bells ringing in my head straight away. Do, do, you think that was, do you think that was a bit of like, I don't know, damage limitation from Dean Smith in that he knew that the crowd, I don't know if, if managers react like this, but he knew the crowd were going to get so on the players and, and he thought, I'll just chuck one of the kids on and, and at least that's kind of something positive to get behind. I don't know if that was his thinking. Yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe. But then there's also people, 20,000 people looking around thinking, wait, we, pay, we could pay £10 million for this kid mm. who's, who's only a year or two older than Tony Sprigg anyway. So it just, yeah. just for me, it's like, how bad has it got to be in training not to even have a, a sniff when we're 4-0 down and we haven't created a chance? It's, it's worrying. It's worrying because managers, managers want to do well. If he thought that Jovis could come on and do something, it would bring him on. So in his head, he's thinking, well, maybe he's thinking, oh, well, you know, we'll give a, a young lad a chance. But it just, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, wow, if, if he's not bringing in Joyce on, you're putting a kid on who's 17 years old, ain't kicked a ball in the Premier League before. That don't, that don't look good for Joyce. Let's be honest. No, I agree with that. I, d- I did just have a quick check to see if Joyce was actually on the bench. because <laughs> I was good trying to remember because and then we have kind of got to that point as well. The other thing about Christos is that a, he cost 10 million quid. B, he signed a five-year contract. He is the longest contracted player, I think, that in right. the first-team squad at the moment. So if if he is someone that Dean doesn't um, rate, then when he's got a five-year deal, that's uh, not ideal. Well, <laughs> well John, John Rowe and, and Spriggett have come on in front of, in, in, ahead of him. They have mm-hmm. indeed. Um, we'll see whether that... I mean, there, there were, I think... Um, was it Jordan Jordan Thomas and uh, Akim Fumewo both got first team debuts in the Premier League at the end of the 2019-20 season, which I always felt was kind of interesting given Daniel Fark used to make a point of not giving out gifts. And uh, that struck me as kind of a quite a nice gift <laughs> to give out. I'm sure they'd worked very hard to, to get to that point as well. And obviously far harder than me. Um, one quick aside, uh, Tony Springett's nickname is uh, apparently Jerry which uh, Dean Smith has called him once uh, during a press conference uh, before a game, which is fine. Uh, and he did almost, well, he did use it and had to 
correct himself after the game <laughs> on Sunday, probably feeling that calling him Tony Spriggan, Jerry, after a 4-0 defeat in his debut was... Not really the, the right time to be cracking not, not those kind of jokes either, to be honest. And I think, I think he knew that. I think it was more that it just slipped out because that's obviously what he calls him all day. So there we go. Um, uh, so, yeah, um, the atmosphere inside the ground, we've kind of talked about incredibly flat. I don't remember on the ball being sing, sung once apart from before kickoff. Um, I remember someone trying to start a chant a couple of times in the first half, but getting nowhere with that. Obviously, uh, we had a lot of boos at both whistles um, and then sort of, you know, quite a few stick stick offering uh, chants. Um, there, was a, there was a pookie chant at the end, I think. There was pookie a pookie chant, yeah. After he missed yeah, the one what? chance that we did have. It was after he missed the chance, but it was also after he gave the referee some, which I think was more like everyone going, oh, you know, at least he's having an argument with someone. A bit <laughs> like when people stood up when Grant Hanley put a tackle in in the first half, because it's like, someone's put a tackle in, quick, let's stand up mm. and applaud that. So, um, yeah, and as you said, you could sort of see it went from about 10% full in the home areas to half full at sort of um, 90 minutes to a third full by the full-time whistle. Uh, which is really sad to see, especially as that is literally the second home game on the trot where that has happened. And, um, you know, I, I, having had the subject of apathy brought up recently, seeing the stadium empty and seeing season ticket holders presumably not bothering to turn up as well, uh, does seem a bit of an issue. That's the issue. That was the atmosphere inside the ground. And then we had the atmosphere outside the ground, which uh, by all accounts, you know, we're talking about a, a few hundred which when someone told me that I, I was quite surprised, but a few hundred people outside the ground, um, I think sort of singing dealer out, Weber out and sack the board, um, which I, you know, I'm not sure how possible most of those things are. Um, so I, I, it's obviously Steve, not ideal. Um, I think it's rather than what the, pro, the protests or whichever are trying to achieve and who's in them and what they're doing, what it is, is just a symptom of how, either disconnected people feel or the divide in the fan base just in terms of people pulling in the right direction or pulling in the same direction it's not conducive and i'm not blaming them for doing it if that's how they feel yeah no i mean i think i was fairly flippant about it last week but to be fair like people pay the money for the tickets they're entitled to if they don't feel like the club is being run properly and they're entitled to protest I, I, personally i don't feel the board are are the issue here um but you know, if, if that's how people feel and they want to protest about it, then then fair enough. Um, I don't really see it making much of the difference that they want it to make. Um, and and equally, but equally like, you know, I sort of feel like it, it, it's better than us being apath- completely apathetic and just accepting what's been a really dreadful season and going down with a complete whimper. So in a way, although I'm not out there doing it myself, I can kind of, I, I'm not disappointed that other fans are doing it. If that, doesn't sound too weird i just don't expect anything will come of it that's fine and um then we had the stuff with brandon williams as well who decided it would be a good idea to post on instagram a picture of him putting a middle finger up um which wasn't entirely clear what that was directed at since come out of course with a statement today that he um he felt he'd been followed by some norwich fans from the from the ground in in his car um I have heard conflicting things about whether what the level of abuse was after the game and stuff. There's a lot going on, but who knows what the real truth is. People have reasons to do things to protect themselves or not. I don't know what the truth is. It's just, we know what the facts of, of what we've people have said and things like that. So I don't know how much I want to dwell on it, but um, 
it's, it's, part part of the, it's part and parcel of the game. If you're not playing well, you're going to get stick. You know, if people following you, it's happened to me 50 times. People just follow you, try and find out where you live, but what do you, what do? You do? <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> Sorry about the that. Thing, the thing is, you only, look, it's not right and you, you, you don't condone it, but the only way it changes is if you win games, if you put performances in. You know, the biggest worry of, of all this people protesting and 10 months ago when we, when we got promoted last time, people were saying this is the best, best team of all time. The club was so together. Everyone was in the right direction. And in 10 months, it's basically collapsed. Everything's gone completely, I'm going to say tits up, but it has. It literally, <laughs> you know, but from where we were 10 months ago, from winning the league to where we are now, you know, it's hard to fathom how it's got, got this bad this quick. But it is all about winning games. If we, if we were, even if we went down and at least put a little bit of, it looked like we put effort in and looked like we'd give it a go, there would be none of this. It would be, oh, you know, we just didn't have enough. Crack on for next season. But because it's been so poor, I think that's, that's the biggest thing. It's all about winning games. It's about winning games and it looking like you can at least compete. And we haven't competed at all this season. That's what the biggest problem is. We, um, I, I did a quick bit on ITV Anglia News uh, today and I got asked, oh, do you, you, do you think this is a pivotal summer coming up? And I was a bit like, well, yeah, but then I, I felt like that for numerous years and more often it's not really because people either sort it out. And I, I am really conscious of the fact that however, um, you know, the worst case scenario looks, uh, you know, win eight of your first 10 games in the championship, which let's be honest, those, they aren't, it's not a great division. I'm not saying Norris is going to fly away with it if they're not good enough, but, you know, it's not great. You could do that. Um, you know, people will, uh, the majority of people will be happy and be like, oh, here we go again. And and the Premier League will be rolling their eyes thinking, oh God, no, please. So it's, you know, it's it, 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 like you say, Hux, it does often come down to what's on the pitch. And I do feel a bit for the supporters in that, and maybe this is why it's unraveled so much. They have been at games up until a point where Norwich were fighting relegation in the Premier League. They've then not really witnessed anything else and had no chance to forge relationships with the players. And then they rock up at the start of this season and it's worse <laughs> for like a year. So I, th- I think when people say, oh, I don't really like this team, I don't feel connected to it. There's a lot of players. I, don't get, I just don't think they've had a chance probably to... It strikes me now, like Ben Gibson hadn't played in front in a full Carrow Road with them behind him until the Liverpool game. And you're like, oh, okay. And 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 he wasn't, you know, wasn't wasn't the only one because there were a lot of that team who were in that situation as well. So maybe that's why there's a more of a fondness for Grant Hanley, Tim Krull, Tim Pukki, because you know they've had that connection with them. I don't know. Doesn't really probably extend to Kenny McLean, does it? So for them, sadly. So there we go. Um just well, uh, just just a quick on. one before we yes, move, and I don't I don't want to turn this into the Declan Rice Appreciation Society, but I think I think earlier in the season we we were posing if we could have any player from any other Premier League team and they just stick him in the Rotis team, who would you have? Honestly, I think I'd go with him. Like he, yep. you know, I just just watching him sort of brushing off Billy Gilmore um, in midfield in the first half, and. I just, just like that is what you need. Obviously, we're never going to get Declan Rice, but a pa- just a powerhouse in centre midfield. That's they've watched that go out and get that defensive midfielder in the summer, 
uh, you know, whoever he is, six foot, a six foot defensive midfielder who knows how to shield a back four. If we could get that, we are in such so much of a better position. He's probably going to Man City though for 150 million. So. <laughs> oh, we, we, we've missed it. We've missed out. Oh, we missed out. It's Damn. it's the Norwich City model. And um, what you need to do is go and find him at age 18. And then he's still good enough to play because Declan Rice was probably still good enough to play then. And then you develop him and away you go. Um, also, you know, Mark Noble coming on, not really needing to move a lot, but, you know, getting to play the ball was 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 quite the sight, I thought, Sunday. Good and bad, but quite the sight. Good on, good on Mark Noble. Um, right. In that case, uh, we're going to do the format slightly differently because we're going to take some questions from you all in our Q&A special. Um, but that means that I, first of all, can um, flourish with, is that the right word? Our halftime sting. And in, in fairness, um, we are pretty much at half time. Uh, this is this is this is the sort of timekeeping I am not used to. So um, let's hope it doesn't all go awry now. But uh, there we go. Um, we'll treat this as a sort of a centerfold section. Um, we are going out live on the podcast this evening, as we do most evenings. And this week, we've said we've got Hucks on. Steve loves being asked questions. I know that for a fact. Love let's it. get your let's get your questions in, and we'll rattle through them all. Um, we'll see if you know how many we've got that we've already already addressed. Um, Steve, likewise, uh, if you see any um, that you want to get stuck into, then please do flag them. I'll try and give them a read first, um, if I can. Uh, Andrew Tickner's got the first one in. Question, is it time we accept that European football next season is looking slightly less likely? He's uh, put a I winky think, emoji. There. I think impos- impossible is <laughs> probably more where we're at now, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, um, this is this is, uh, this is is true. Um uh, I should probably read these questions before I read them out, but I don't know if I'm going to be able to. So let's uh, let's crack on. Uh, David McKenzie, at the end of last season, we were told that to compete in the Premier League, we needed more athletic players. Can you tell me which player fits this profile? Declan Rice. <laughs> <laughs> Just to get that, spend that 150 million there. It is, um, yeah, it's a quite a, con- a contradiction, I suppose. I know that they were looking at players. They've they've got software. They can do their recruitment um, planning or judgments and all this sort of stuff that they can use and. They did feel that you know players could cover a lot of ground and things like that, and 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 they they were putting in more runs and things like that. But for that, you're kind of looking at players like Shemiswav Poheta, I suppose, who then you're sort of maybe looking at them being quite raw in other areas. So, can we just put that on the fact that Norwich haven't got the spending power to bring in the players that can do both? Is that what we've learned this year, or or have they failed in getting in a getting in the physical physical players? Well, that's what. Normal was meant to be, wasn't it? Lee's Malou was meant to be that kind of athletic, rangy runner. The biggest, the biggest problem, I think it's, we'll probably get onto this, but not one signing has worked. Not one. So mm. I can't, I can't say that one has been. There was a few spells from Rashitsa, baby, basically, but he's got one goal, one deflected goal, and one and a half Premier League assists in thirty games, and he's been one of our or so-called better players. So that's what the problem's been. That this, the, the, every signing, probably take, you probably take Angus out of that because, you know, he's, he's not really had a chance to prove himself because obviously Cruel has been in goal. But not one of the signing has worked. And, mm-hmm. and that's... 
they've not made our team stronger. There's not mm. one signing that's made our team stronger. So that's what the, that's where the problem lies. It is. You can't you can't sugarcoat it. That's what it is. Which is um, which? Oh, go on, Steve. Well, I was going to ask a question for you, Michael. Like in in terms of like how the club works now that we've got a different manager in Smith, will they look at a different profile of player? Because, you know, I sort of assume previously they looked at players that could fit this, the Farker style of play. Now that we play slightly differently, will they be signing a different type of player in the summer? Cause Smith will say, this is the kind of player that I want, or will it just be the model is the model? Yeah. I think um, what they, what they learned the longer Daniel Farker was in charge was that there was, no point putting some players forward because ultimately Daniel Farker could veto anyone they put forward. And if he didn't want them, that wasn't, that was a no. So he had to want them. Obviously then it became a question of whether everyone um, agreed on it or not, or could make it happen. So um, they stopped putting forward players that they felt he wouldn't like because just to save everyone a discussion. So yeah, you're right. I, 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 Dean Smith will want pace, power, um, they're the two things he sort of is, is I think, wanting to see from his players. It's kind of why I think as, as good as Josh Martin has done, I, I think he might struggle to impress on Dean Smith when he does come back to show him what he's got. Because I'm, I'm, I look at that profile and think, I don't, I don't think he's going to want to use you. So, um, so yeah, I'm, that's what I'm expecting him to get the chance to put forward, and then, and obviously it'll be a, the roles as well as a priority which Dean Smith wants as well because I'm guessing there'll be certain positions where he might think no I feel like we're all covered here let's go here um, obviously then you're putting a lot of store in the head coach in terms of what the squad is that gets put together which isn't really how the sporting director head coach role is supposed to work um, but needs must and to be honest given the way the circumstances are now I think it's probably fair that Dean Smith has a greater say in it um so we'll see how that pans out but yeah that's how i see it but the, the uh, problem you've got is we've got that many we've got quite a big squad as it is if you're adding to that you know who's going to want some of these players i know we've got yeah. a few loans going back but realistically you know if you need to get a shot of jollis or sergeant or whatever who's going to take them that who's to be honest that is probably we all talk about you know the fact they got the players in and they were wrong but that's probably the biggest failure of the window that it's imbalanced the squad <laughs> that they spread it too thin by recruiting too many players more players than they wanted to recruit at the start of the transfer window and that you know that wasn't their strategy before, just as they got promoted that it, for some reason it changed and as you say now they they, they were quite quickly i want the window shut looking at it going We've actually got quite a big squad here and that's like right and you know we're probably going to need to get rid of some of these players you're like well i'm not being funny who's going to come in and offer you two million quid for you know whoever so um and that's where we are now and not only that but i mean it's kind of a, a bit as well had they had a smaller squad they probably would have got some of those games called off over christmas because they literally <laughs> wouldn't have had any players they probably would have helped them out then um let's get on with another question martin emerson question for Hux. I'm sure he wasn't afraid to speak his mind in the dressing room during his playing days. What would he be saying to this squad of players after their poor performances? Would you be calling your own press conference, Hux? I've done that before. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think when it gets to this, you, you look at yourself first, you sort yourself out, and then you've got to start trying to help other people out. You know, there's nobody that's played that well where they can be telling other people what to do. So for me, People need to look at themselves individually and then sort their own ass out and then if they can try and help others. That's the only way you can do it because you've got to you've got to be you've got to hold yourself account accountable. You know, for instance, Rashita, 
If I had one goal and one assist after 30 games, I won't be able to sleep at night. That's the truth. That's the truth because you're judged on goals and assists. So you've got to get your own arse in order before you can start digging other people out. And I don't know, you know, I don't know what the characters are in the dressing room, but I played with people like Malcolm Mackay, Flem, Dion. If you weren't pulling the weight, they were gripping you by the neck in the changing room and telling people, sort this out. You know, there's standards. There's standards and our standards have not been good enough on the pitch this year. Simple as that. I need to turn some lights on, by the way. It's getting so dark. <laughs> <laughs> he was swiftly just becoming a head, which was, uh, which was very Red Dwarf. Uh, and I quite appreciated it. But... Um, Oh, and, and now we get to see Hux's house, oh, which is obviously, you know, if you're setting right. stands in a dressing room, this is the house you can afford as a result. Uh, yeah, this, is my game, this is my game room. Oh, is it? What <laughs> games have you got in your games room, Hux? This is a good and no, important no, I've question. Got, I've, just, I've just got a pool table. Just a, I've well, just got a pool table. Yeah, but I've, seen, I've made a little stand uh-huh. there. From the oh, look at this. Resourceful, you see? The pool table is the table. That's nice. Well, we're all coming. We're all going around to Hux. We obviously know where you live because we followed you and we're all going to rock up and play some <laughs> pool. Um, uh, offensive question here, I'm afraid Hux, Stephen Bird, Bailey Hux look like they could be brothers. I'm really sorry. I feel... Uh, I feel I'm feel. i a lot older than you, so I'll take that. <laughs> really? <laughs> Blimey. Well, one of us is handsome, but I'm not... Yeah. Um, uh, also, Declan Cotter has got in touch. Uh, can Hux play the rest of the season? No, I'm struggling with my own hip at the minute. I'm, oh. Yeah, so... Sad times. Rest it I up. Think I, might have, I think I might have more than one goal and one assist, though. I'm just putting that out there. <laughs> <laughs> bad hip on you, you bad hip. Your, your house would have been in order. I think we can take that. Um, Benjamin David Skelton. Hello, Benjamin. Uh, how many players would Darren get rid of in the summer? Uh, and this is obviously a few as well, Steve. The, the way we are losing football games this season, hard to take. Still behind Dean Smith. But only when Adam Eder was inside, did it look like we had a game plan? Since he's been out, can't see what this team is trying to do. Next season, we need to let some of the players go, which obviously does require other clubs to want them um, and aim to build a side that can be competitive in the Premier League. Two names for recruitment in the summer, Tom Lawrence and Joel Pirro. I think that's Swansea, isn't he? Need at least mm-hmm. two. Oh, it's cut off. Two creative midfielders, I'm going to assume you said there, Benjamin. And then, well, we can only guess the rest of the pitch there that needs sorting out. Um, yep. Yeah. Big question. I mean, is that fair as well on the on on Adam's role in all that? Hux, do you think? Yeah, I thought Adam, I think he started to show people what it was about and before he got injured. I think it suited the way Dean Smith wanted to play with two up top and maybe putting teams on the back foot a little bit more, you know, probably go be a bit more direct. But to answer his question, you know, the Dean Smith's going to look at his squad now and he's going to say, who do I trust? to be able to cope with the vigours of the championship. Who do I trust week in, week out that are going to give me a 7, 8 out of 10? And that's a difficult thing because you're looking now, in that squad, who do you really trust? So, first of all, I think it's going to be hard to move a lot of people out of that squad because they're on big money now. Some of them will be on big money. They ain't just going to go somewhere for a massive pay cut. The club have got to try and get some kind of value out of the players they've bought Basically, it'll be out, it's going to be who Dean Smith believes and trusts can help get us out, get us out of the championship because that's what we're going to try and do. Basically, get back to the Premier League. It's a very, very interesting summer ahead because it's it's not going to be as easy, easy as people think. I don't think. No, quite. What do you reckon, Steve? What do you want to see? Well, I mean, I completely agree with Hug's point that 
it's going to be hard to move some of these players on. And I think, you know, it, it, people saying we need to get rid of player X, player Y, whatever, it's rarely as simple as that. You've got to find somebody that wants them and is prepared to pay the money for them, especially in a team that's just come down in the way that we have. Um, uh, there's been a bit of criticism of Dean Smith that I've seen over the since since the weekend. Um, obviously, he can't be immune to it because the performances have been so bad, but it, it's not his squad. And I think, you know... We, as we've said before, we don't know which players he particularly rates because he can only pick the teams that he's been given. So, um, yeah, I, I think he will know in his mind, having managed this team now for what, getting on for thirty games, who he who he can trust, as as Hux has said, and who he can't. That's the decision he has to make. Remember, we've still got players to come back from loan as well. You know, Hernandez, Hugill. McCallum, Mumba, so they've got to be thrown into the mix too. Camwell, um, Todd Camwell. Yeah, Todd, of course, of course, Todd. I mean, and that that's a, a massive question and arguably the biggest one of the whole summer. Do you, you know, do we try and fit Todd back in? Because we know what he can do. We know what he can do in the championship when he's on his game, but getting that out of him is is the tough bit. A lot of water's gone under the bridge as far as he's concerned. But if you get Todd playing, my God, you know, we're in a, we're, we're looking strong then. So, I don't know. We'll we'll talk about it lows. I'm sure. I don't know. From, a, from, from a player point of view, with, with Todd, I've done it where I've been at a club, gone alone somewhere else, and come back. It's very very difficult to, mm-hmm. to be part of it again because basically you're basically you're just out of the door, aren't you? So it's only a matter of time. You, you're training with a 23, you're training with somebody else. It's really difficult to. I don't think it's ever happened where someone's gone out, gone away, and come back. Maybe Besson did it, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. But that was needs must. Yeah, that and it was also was. management change. Manager, which I think yeah, is the situation yeah. which does change it. I have to yeah. say, in all honesty, I don't see anyone who's been loaned out really coming back and playing a part next no. year. I might be proven wrong because it's just an opinion. But I think it's going to be really difficult for them, and I just can't see it. What I can see is Dean Smith wanting to get in a couple of midfielders to really strengthen that area. I also think that's the area where he's going to lose a lot of players. Obviously, Norman, Gilmore, Rupp, I would imagine he's going to be confirmed his exit. He's out of contract. So that's three players. And then you're relying on Kenny and Lays Malou and Sernson, who he doesn't seem particularly convinced by. So I just think that's the area where maybe there will be a concentration on on recruitment. And what I would add about players going, if I was a scout and I'd been watching Norwich and I was working for another club, I would recommend putting in a cheeky bid for Tamu Puki, especially if you were a club with loads of money, because you could probably get him cheap. He'd, he'd do really well up top for you um, and with good service. I would recommend if Adam Eder came back and looked strong, I'd say he's young, he's got good talent. I think he's got an eye for goal and he's physical. I like him. And this centre-back, Andrew Omabamadeli, he's got a lot of potential. Not quite there yet, but we can bring him in um, and we'll buy him. And they are three players that Norwich don't want to sell. <laughs> but if that's who people want to come and get because they think they're the most attractive options, then they're the ones that they'll come by. I'm not saying they will. I'm just saying that that's a really key factor in terms of recruitment. It's who teams want as much as who you want to get rid of. Yeah, Pookie's an interesting one because obviously we took the year on his contract. But he's guaranteed goals, isn't he? Yeah. He's guaranteed goals. So he's not, he's not, a, he's not a gamble for anybody. If, if they have to chuck four, five, six million pounds and whatever, 50 grand a week, whatever, you're going to get your goals to pay that back. A lot of the others, you don't know what you're getting. You, well, you know what you're getting in the Premier League, not good enough. <laughs> but champ, championship, they may, may be able to put off. Some of them might come and shine. You know, Joris, Sergeant, they might be able to cut it in the championship. 
but it's still a might. It's not a definite. So honestly, if I was if I was in a recruitment team and I keep saying it in the Premier League team and thought we need another striker, I think team would be a no-brainer. And I hate saying that because I, I can't really think of the thought of him not being at Norwich next out, season, to be honest. Out of the three you mentioned, Puki, Ida, Omobama, Deli, I think I can't see either Ida or Omobama, Deli going this summer. Out of the three of them, if you had to say one of them wasn't going to be here at the end of the summer, I'd say Timu because I think I think someone might take a chance on him. I hope, I hope they're all here, but I could see Timu going. Let, let's move on. Um, quick, no one's listening. Uh, Carl Jockett, we need betting company to buy us out. <laughs> I mean, um, it's a fair point, Carl. I don't know if every Norwich fan would agree with you, but no, I don't agree with that. I don't. I, don't I agree also with don't. That. <laughs> uh, but you know, open-minded, free speech, all that sort of stuff. Um, uh, Chris Elliott, hey Chris, I've never gone to many games expecting us to be bad and being proven right every time. Well, try writing about it. Um, <laughs> Killian O'Grady, uh, Killian, it's Killian, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I'm sure I said this last time, Killian. Apologies. <laughs> Player of the season is being voted on. Yes, the voting is open. The Barry Butler Memorial Trophy, which I don't think got written anywhere. Um, who would you pick? This is straightforward, isn't it? It's, well, it's only two for me, Pukki or Hanley. Yeah. Yeah, I think team gets... Unless there's some sort of like Michael McGovern-style protest vote like there was with uh, Carlo Nash that time. But I think it's team, oh. isn't it? I would say Timu, but yeah, Grant has done very well as well. Very true. Uh, Phil Sad, uh, get your boots on next year, Hux, he says. Um, uh, and also get them old ASICs on. Oh, there you go. That's, I mean, did you used to wear ASICs boots? Uh, I wore ASICs and I did ASICs all year. I did when I first came to Norwich, I had ASICs boots, yeah. That's good knowledge, Phil. Good knowledge. I wouldn't have known that one. Um, right, I'd read those ones. Uh, how are we doing? Okay, the last few then, if we can. Um, uh, Super Nicholas, he says, I'm a neutral, so presumably not an Orange fan. Uh, will Rashid to stay for the championship and for championship football? <laughs> well, Steve, you're laughing. Well, he's, he's barely staying for Premier League football, is he? I mean, God, uh, he's like... He's been such a disappointment the last few weeks. Like he was so good. Like well, so good is maybe an exaggeration, but he's yeah, he's it like his performances have been pretty bad the last few weeks, haven't they? He's not he's not staying. Surely he's not staying next season. There's been flashes of what he hmm. could do. Flashes. But I've never seen him have a full consistent 90 minutes. And again, I've not seen yeah. a lot of him not have a full consistent 90 minutes. <laughs> but you'd like to think if he did stay that he he would have the ability to to do a lot better in the championship you know you can see there's a player in there mm-hmm. whether he wants to be here that's another matter you know only, only he knows that this is true um uh let's see if i can find some more questions as we mow through um oh here we go chris jennings uh this club is too cozy most fans don't care if we go down. These podcasts are good. Thank you, Chris. But Michael, you need to try and get an interview with Lord Lucan. <laughs> I mean, Stuart Webber. Uh, and why do you have confidence in Dean Smith? Yes, he hasn't brought any new players, but style of play worse than Farker. Um, which I suppose is if, are you comparing, you know, last championship season Farker to current Premier League version with Smith? Because quite clearly, but uh, I think it has to be said that Norwich's identity was a bit of a muddle all season, especially when Daniel was in charge at the start and, you know, moving to a sort of a 5-3-2 was not helping in those two goalless draws and partly losing that identity, I think, played a role in Daniel Farker losing his job. Um, 
Yes, I have indeed asked to speak to Stuart Weber quite a lot, and uh, I, I will continue to ask to do that. Uh, all of all of the media are asking for that at the moment. That is to say, as I've understood it, um, the club's view was that Stuart Weber would talk uh, about the season and about the football, which is has to be regarded at least an intention different to the Times interview. You can agree with that or not, but that was the intention of the club. I'm not giving you my opinion. This is what I'm saying as a fact or the, the intention of it. Um, he was always going to speak about the football once either, well, once in the period between relegation being confirmed or you know Norwich's fate being sealed and the end of the season. We are still in that period. So at some point, I expect we will hear from Stuart Weber. Now, how they do it, whether I get to ask him any questions, whether anyone else gets to ask him any questions, don't know the answer, you know, but I think it's fair enough that it's still in that time frame that they said it will happen. So I'm expecting it to happen. So uh, be rest assured, I am asking for that, as are we all, Chris. Um, and I don't know what you mean by too cosy the club. Well, I've been half the people walked out, so they just went somewhere else, I think. Um, but um, Chris, thank you for watching and thank you for your kind words and thanks for the question as well. Um, what else have we got here? Uh, or we're going better rattle on now, haven't we? Guy Williams, do you really think this team will be competitive in the championship next season? Because I don't think so. Last two titles in the second tier included Emmy, <laughs> Emmy Buendia, the little elephant in the room. Uh, and this team has so few goals. I mean, I don't know if it's just me. It's, <laughs> it's not Dean Smith's fault. But when he talks about the fact that Norwich have won the championship twice the last three seasons, I kind of just sit there thinking, yeah, but, you know, you weren't really part of that. <laughs> and it's, I, is that harsh, Steve? Um, well, the thing the thing with the championship is that you, if you we've seen it, if you can get some momentum going, then you really can get on a roll in that league. And we do have players who have been there and done it twice, and that's kind of what gives me a bit of faith. The, we still need a bit of a clear out. We still need new blood coming in. But we've also got a manager who's who's been on one of those roles. Villa won 10 games in a row the year that we went up from the championship. He's been promoted himself. So, yeah, I mean, right now, if you're going to say, are we going to finish at the top? I would say, well, there's not much there telling me that we will. But it's a long season. And, I, you know, I think if we if we get if we can get the summer right, then that's a, that's going to be a good start. And I think we've still got a decent chance. Love it. There's a question here as well, um, Hux, actually, um, which I'll get to from the Sprouston Ripper. Uh, ho hope you're okay, Sprouston Ripper. Um, uh, Hux, did you feel the squad you went back down with in 2005-06 was good enough to get back up? This current squad definitely seems weaker than that one was. Uh, I think... I think Dean Ashton was a, a you know a big part of that. If you if you keep Dean Ashton, you've got a chance. If you go if you're in the championship, you've got a player of Dean Ashton's quality, and obviously myself and a few others. You you will create chances to score goals. Uh, I think the biggest problem, like I said before, we don't know what we know what Puka's going to give you. We know what Cruel's going to give you. We know what Hanger's going to give you. We do Kenny to a certain extent in the in the championship, but around everything else around that. I'm not sure about. It's not a definite that Sargent's going to be good enough for the championship. It's not a definite that Jovis is going to be good enough for the championship. I'm not sure Rashitsa will want to play in the championship. So we've got to have a team that's all pushing in the right direction. And and at the minute, Dean Smith's going to want to some of his own players because he's been working with a squad that he had nothing to do with. 
and basically they're kind of down tools on him, if that makes sense. So in his heart, he's, he's going to want people that he, he believes in and he trusts to put to because the championship's a tough season. It's game in, game out, week in, week out. You can't have any passengers. You need everyone pushing in the right direction. That's that's the fans, that's everything. We've got to we've got to galvanize this group of players and fans. Because if it's like this to start next season where there's protests and this and that, whether they're right or wrong, it's only going to go one way. It's where there's not playing well enough, but another manager getting sacked, still got where we're going, then we're all over the shop again. And then we, we, then we're in another building process. So there's no easy answer of what's right and what's wrong in the minute, but we've got to somehow galvanise this group of players with new additions and people leaving to try and have a push for this championship because the two, the two times I won the league, the teams were teams, not individuals, even though we had some great players, the teams working for day in, day out, all got the common goal to go and win enough games to get out of the league. And that's the only way you can do it. The championship's so ruthless. It's so ruthless. Just having some good players isn't enough. You've got to be ready to go week in, week out. Be ready for that fight when you're tired, when you've only had two days rest before the next game. We can do it. We've done it before, but I think it's different this time because I don't know how much the manager trusts the players they've got. That's what I... Last time, Fart came down, but he knew he had Puke. He knew he had Bundia. He knew that Max Harris could do a job. He knew he had Tinkle, the best goalkeeper in the league. But now we're coming down with no shows, really, for the last, you know, last three months. Well, all season, really. It's been no shows all season. So, as a manager, you're thinking, right, who am I taking on this journey with me? Because because what, then what's going to happen if we, we start winning games next year, Dean Smith's going to get sacked. That's what will happen. So, Dean Smith's in his head thinking, right, I need people that I can believe in who want to be on this journey. That's the only way you can do it. Sorry for going on a bit of a rant. Sorry. Was, you know what? <laughs> It was beautifully said, and that's exactly why you're on. And it's that point is exactly why squads of very good players um, and have that have parachute payments end up not going up or finishing mid-table. And, and that's the exact point because it's about the sum of the parts. So fascinating stuff. Um, we are almost uh, done with our Q&A time um, and we're going to miss the nine o'clock uh, deadline, but that's fine. Um, just a couple of points. Neil Harris, just on European football, he does say European football, does Cardiff City count? Um, Steve, uh, St- Stephen Simons adds in we've got European football Cardiff and Swansea so there we go um, you know there's what, what else can we what else can we say to that really and then there was one other thing which I was just going to put up um, which was from Mick Ness uh, just imagine what would have happened if we did not have the soccer bot um, which is a rather glib way to probably end our Q&A section um so many comments and questions we didn't get through thank you for all of them um clearly we're gonna have to do this again we'll probably have to make sure it's with hucks i don't know if we get as many questions if it was just me and steve (laughs) but you know um thank you for them all really brilliant uh let's quickly move on shall we to something we all want to do which is talk about the forthcoming games (laughs) this is almost fantasy football yeah let's talk about the forthcoming seven days for norris city um as if getting ready for the championship was now the priority. We have a midweek game to get excited about, which is, of course, Leicester away on Wednesday. Uh, it was the rearranged game from New Year's Day, which I'm still thankful I got that day off. Can't lie. <laughs> it's a real treat. If one um, good thing came out of this season, it was that, Michael. It was that. I mean, obviously, I've now got to go to Leicester on a Wednesday night. <laughs> so uh, here's my payback. Then Norwich at Wolves on Sunday. Um 
Is there anything anyone wants to say about I Steve, what would you like to say about either of these two games that is I'll both interesting and informative? I don't think I can manage either of those. I'll just say what I said last week, which is, will we beat 21 points that we got last time? I'll probably end, be saying that same time next week as well. Um, but yeah, if we could, that's all we've got to work. Two things to aim for. Can we beat 21 points? Can we finish ahead of Watford other than that? And I suppose players playing for next season, who's willing to stick their head above the parapet? I, mean, I keep thinking we need to see reaction somewhere. One of these games will see reaction and, and we don't, but... Maybe maybe Leicester away will be that game. So I somehow doubt it, but you never know. Well, I mean, I don't feel like Leicester have got much to play for, Hux. Um, Wolves, I, I think they probably still think they might be able to squeak in maybe to a top six. I don't know. That might have gone now. Um, it was a good draw for them, obviously, at Chelsea. But um, two teams with little to play for. But then I was kind of thinking that might be the case if West Ham were feeling a bit down on themselves. So I think, I think Leicester have got a lot to play for. There's a lot of players in their squad who have underperformed this season. They're, what are they, 15th in the league? Mm. You know, I can see their, their manager being under a little bit of pressure. I know they did pretty well in Europe, but for a team that obviously qualified for Europe the season before, they've been relatively poor for them. So, they're still, look, if, you, if you're a professional footballer, you should have everything to play for. Every game could, you be, could be your last. You know, you, you can't go through the motions. You, as, you know, you've got to give it, give it everything. And there'll be people in the Leicester uh, squad or in the Leicester team they're playing for their futures. So there should be no easy games in the Premier League. Right, Norwich players. You've heard that. No easy games. Um, I will obviously be at both games, which is exciting. I wonder how many people other than me will be at both games. It will be interesting how many uh, make the trip. I won't be. <laughs> but, some, you know, fair play to the ones who still turn out. You know, that's, that's it, true loyalty. Isn't it? Is it on BT Sport? I doubt Ooh. it. Uh, I, if, it, I, if, it, if, it, if it was on TV on the on the on the New yes. day, it will be. It has to be covered, doesn't it? If it's on, that's true. Or maybe it is. Then yeah. I might be able to. I, I don't know it, why. Not, I'm, I don't it's know not why. The, Man City, you're playing. <laughs> what are you saying? <laughs> We've been saying? overlooked. Um, I I don't think. I think the Wolves game was down as a Sunday anyway for some reason. Um, yeah, Wolves but, surely won't be. Uh, Leicester doesn't look like it is, um, but I might be wrong. And then well, we'll... it might be on Prime. It might be on Prime. I'm not sure. It might be on Prime. Um, yeah, who knows? Well, you know, if you're trying to be informative, you might, you know, the Norwich fan might want to watch it if it's on Amazon Prime. You know that? Yeah, I don't know. They would. They, yeah, <laughs> maybe they would. Um, I tell you what, it's, I... it's not. I don't think. I don't think it is. It looks like it's not. Okay. If 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 we find out that that's different, I will tweet it. So keep an eye on my tweets and I will inform you all at a later date whether either of the forthcoming games is on television and then you can make up your own mind. Although I did, I mean, I, bizarrely, I went down to watch. <laughs> so I've been, I've been working all night, went down and thought, I'll watch match of the day, sat down, watched, you know, uh, whoever it was. It was Man City, Newcastle, wasn't it? And then a couple of other games and a couple of others and I was sitting there and then Mark Chapman said, oh, Norwich were hosting West Ham. And I literally went, oh yeah, Norwich played today, didn't they? I literally blanked it. I, I think I've just gone... I'd switched off and thought, um, you know, I'll watch Quest um, because that's where Norwich would be. I just completely, and I was like, oh, yeah. And then I got to relive it all, which is obviously a joy. So, um, yes, uh, I will be at both games so that you don't have to remember that. So, um, oh, I've written that in the link forthcoming. Forget I just said that. Um, That is a time. Um, 
which is pretty good going actually for, for for how we usually do these pods so um we we have uh, we have, we are done for time on on the ball uh, the Norwich City podcast that is ready to take on a double bill of the midlands so you don't have to you see i I did write it in the in the link. Uh, if you yet to do so, make sure you subscribe via your podcast player of choice. The pod is available free for everyone on your usual player. And we are now streaming the recording of the podcast live in video form on my social media channels. Have a search and you'll find them, I'm sure. Ratings and reviews, wherever prompted, are always hugely appreciated. And if you want to get in touch with any questions or topic proposals, sling me a direct message on Twitter. The handle is at Michael J. Bailey. A big thank you, huge thank you, a wonderful thank you of gratitude to our guests this evening. Mr. Darren Huckabee, did you enjoy that? Yeah, it's all right. It's nice to get a few things off the chest. Good. You did a brilliant <laughs> job. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it as always. Uh, look after your hip. Yeah. Okay. Let's end on let's end on the high. Lend on the high. Um take care, Hugs. Brilliant to have you on. I hope we get to do it again. Um Steve, thank you as always. And you well done are... your dinner in time. Thank you. I might have indigestion, but we're ending on a high, so I don't well, I've had a great time. There you go. <laughs> this has been brilliant. This has been brilliant. <laughs> a highlight of the weekend. Uh we will be back next week for our penultimate. Yes, penultimate bout of Canaries capers for this season in another edition of the On The Ball Norwich City podcast. Until then, never mind the danger.